0: It's 2022, and we're talking dirt, Scott. Hello, everybody. I'm Michael Rock, the garden guy. It's 2022, and what better time to talk dirt than now? I mean, we got to know our dirt. We got to know our soil. We got to know our medium. We got to know the difference between loamy earth and something that's going to be silty, something that's going to be mud, and something that's going to have nutrients in it. And you know what? My cohort here, uh, Scott Sandstrom, actually, the producer extraordinaire, had a little bit of something that he wanted to catch me at. Uh, I'm not sure if he wants to catch me at it or if he's got some legitimate questions he has. Well, the subject started
1: is just as. Hard dirt, clay, or soft dirt, sand, for your garden. And then as I'm researching, it kind of expanded. And I I, I, mean, I know you can talk dirt all day and all night.
0: Well, it depends on if it's about somebody or about, you know, the stuff you <laughs> dig a hole in, in the ground and then plant.
1: By the way, everybody, welcome to season three. I know Mike said that, but I'm saying it for me. So welcome Scott's aboard again. just coming again. out
0: of hibernation. I mean, he's as big as a bear. And he's, <laughs> yeah, he's well... You are you're huge. I don't mean fat. There's yeah. no fat there. It's big. You're a tall guy. Yeah. Um. But you know what? It's just you gain respect both with your stature and your intelligence. How about that?
1: Oh, thanks, thanks. Well,
0: thanks. anyway, you got Thank some you very little. You got some stuff for well, me. Well,
1: no. As I was doing some research on the subject, I came across a sentence which I think is is where you want to be, and then we can you can expand upon all the places that we are not. So the sentence reads loamy soils are balanced, nutrition rich combination of equal parts sand, clay, and silt, plus organic matter. That's perfect for your garden.
0: You wanted to elaborate? I mean, yes, because um, so
1: this is, this is your goal.
0: What's your ultimate goal? I
1: mean, this and, is your ultimate goal right. for soil, but I don't expect everybody to have it. Well, what is easy to start with if you have clay or whether you have sand?
0: Well, I'd like you to start with to find out. Do you know what kind of soil you have in your backyard? Oh, your front, I'm, I'm all sand. You're all sand? Yeah. Well. well, now, most people generally do understand that, you know, in order to know what kind of soil you have, you got to go out there and dig in it, first of all. If you've got, um, Gosh, the, the Great Lakes region right now in the Midwest, this is all glacial movement. It goes from extreme sand to extreme clay. Right. Uh, now, to put this nutrient base, the the organic matter that you're talking about, you got to understand how to play with it. I mean, for instance, clay is almost like silt. It is extremely compact. It doesn't allow things to enter, and it doesn't allow things to leave. For instance— We had a drought in 1988. And anybody that had a clay soil or some type of an oak wooded area, you probably had clay. Why? Because the glacial movement basically in the Midwest, the upper Midwest, where you have the Great Lakes, they basically started to melt and then they moved downstream. I mean, you can see a lot of sandy beaches and you can see a lot of sand dunes and you can see a lot of clay. The clay was actually the, the, the bed. The, the, the lake bed, actually the area where the, the glacial movement compressed the soil so much that it slid on its own um, silt. That's basically clay. On the outer perimeter of each one of these movements, uh, you're going to notice that there's sand. And one law i use, for example, is that there's Ohio has one of the biggest uh, sand dunes in the world, believe it or not, and it's called Oak Openings. But then again, you've got the clay that is in the area where, the, where the, the glaciers were moving. In Michigan, you've got the same thing. In Indiana, you've got the same thing. In Pennsylvania, you have the same thing. In New York, so you're going to have a multitude of different types of soil. You're either going to have silt and clay, you're going to have sand, or you're going to, you're, very rarely are you going to find loam. Now, the loam can come from old swampland. And uh, like an Oak Openings area where you had thousands of years of leaves and organic matter decomposing. If you could have grown in there, well, actually, farmers would have loved it, the early farmers. But now farming has taken so much of the nutrients out of, let's say, the sand and or the clay that they've got to reincorporate them. And that's why we're talking about you've got to put compost in in, uh, some of these areas uh, it's going to be more difficult for compost to be absorbed into between the silt and the clay. But in the sand, it is absolutely beautiful and almost mandatory. Now, not everybody can basically have their own compost pile in the backyard. Why, mind you? Because um, some people have what they call homeowner associations right, where they're not allowed to have something that's going to be decomposing and cause a smell or an unfragrant environment. Um, and, you know, it doesn't draw in vermin because compost will gradually start to decompose and create heat up to about 150 to 180 degrees. Nothing that's going to be an environment for anything like a rat to live in. So I wouldn't worry about that. But the compost itself, you don't have to make. You can go to your standard garden centers and buy it. So the garden
1: center sells, the only compost we sell is the bumper crop.
0: Can you elaborate a little bit as to... Who the bumper crop is and where it comes from? Well, and what's bumper in there.
1: crop, bumper crop is uh, is a a secret group of ingredients. It certainly, is. only made for certain garden centers under the Master Nursery brand name. So it's very secret.
0: Well, yeah, but, but it's no, got to be a, labeled if you yes, want to find out. It is
1: no, it's it's got great stuff in it. But it, we were just uh, kind of talking a little bit. It, it, before recording and I'm like, well, isn't, isn't compost technically an amendment because isn't you were telling me that cow manure is an amendment, not a compost, but it's an amendment to the compost,
0: but then the compost will be uh, an amendment also. So
1: it's a step ladder of, it's like, yeah,
0: a genetic pool working its way in or the DNA for compost. What about chicken manure? That is an amendment also. Some people use it straight. Some people use cow manure straight as a compost. A compost well, is, a, is a combination. It's a mixture of natural organic matter that's formulated to compensate for what the plants basically are lacking. Now, there's a number but, of different composts. But isn't that an amendment? Compost as a, is an amendment as a whole. Okay. But when it comes down to, like you had said, manure, that is an amendment also plus a nutrient but what kind of manure are you talking about? Now, there's a difference between cow and horse. It was cow. Okay, cow's got four stomachs. You're not going to have right. a problem with any seeds right? or with any weed germination. As, as a matter of fact, chicken manure's got an awful lot of bacteria in it. I mean, all manure's got bacteria. But the chicken manure is just total, nothing but uh, bacteria, which is good. I mean, you got mycorrhizae in that that's going to assist in developing subsurface uh, root growth. And, and there's, there's like a, uh, an, a symbiotic relationship with the mycorrhizae, whether it comes from chicken manure or cow or whether you're buying the mycorrhizae separately to put into the soil. What that does is it attaches itself to the root base of the plant and it helps to feed the plant, it's, uh, not feed, but hand feed the nutrients to the plant. All plants make their own food. Mycorrhizae or bacteria or bacillus is going to break down the nutrients, including the, the micronutrients, and basically make it more accessible for those root systems. Which of the soils, you've got clay, you've got yourself sand, you've got loam, and you've got eh, basic regular dirt. Which one is going to be the hardest to grow something in? <laughs>
1: that sounds like a trick question. It is. Uh, I'm going to say sand.
0: Bingo. That's right. Most people would say clay. Yes. Why did you say sand? Well, because clay
1: clay to me once you once you get the plants in there the it, 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 it's done with. I mean, you have to pay attention to your watering, but you have to pay attention to watering and everything. Under any of them, right? Sand I think is more difficult because yeah, it's easy to get the plant in, but I mean, there's so much drainage. Uh, it just, water just flushes. Uh, this is what my grass is made out of, or, you know, grown in sand. Right. And I'm watering that sucker all the time.
0: But you're also compensating with nutrients.
1: Oh, yeah. See, that's what you have to do with sand.
0: I mean, regardless.
1: Okay. So are you saying sand needs more
0: amendments, and nutrients than clay also? Depends on what you're growing. For the most part, yeah, you're correct. The reason is, is because it flushes out so quick. Right. And, I mean, somebody, I mean, you can't really go. You can measure it if you wanted to. But like you may mention about your lawn, how often you're going to have to water, because that just flushes right out, and you have a deep root system. And the deeper the root system, the more likely that you're going to have to water less later on. But starting out, if you were starting a lawn in this sand, I would say it would be a daily thing. You'd almost have to have the water running continuously. And the reason is is so that those seedlings or the root system can take in the nutrients and make the food. Plants all make their own food. The benefit there is is that you're not giving them any food, but you're giving them the amendments or the nutrients that they need to grow vigorously. If you're going to put, a, uh, let's say, a hydrangea in your sand, yes, put it in. It's going to take old. The roots are going to start to expand. But if you don't have anything in that sand, that plant can't make any food and it's going to starve. You can water it all you want, and it's going to flush but it's going to also flush the water and the nutrients and the micronutrients from that plant out. So you're going to have to compensate. What are you going to compensate with? Amendments. What the plant is lacking, and you're going to need possibly a soil testing kit to find out if you wanted to. Or, since you know your soil, and you know what it usually lacks, and you know what plants you're putting in, for instance, hydrangeas. They like it a little bit more acidic. They do like the nutrients, but they like it higher in the... Uh, P than they do in the N and K, which means you're going to need a little bit of nitrogen, but not a whole bunch. You're going to need a little bit more phosphorus for the bloom because that's what you have the hydrangea for for the bloom. You're going to need a little bit of potassium to help for the root growth and the stock growth and the intake of the nutrients. Now, when it comes down to color on certain hydrangeas, you amend it with, let's say an acidic base to make it more blue or lime to make it more pink, those are amendments. Sand is great to get them started. Sand is difficult to maintain unless you know what you're doing.
1: Okay, so there you go. So, I've I'm pretty much follow that. Let me go back to that statement about that Lumi. How it's 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 the point that you want to be with your garden, but you are telling me that you can grow anything in anything. Yeah. As long as you add the correct
0: amendments, right? I went to you know there was a university, one of the greatest uh, Midwest universities that is uh, a land grant. Uh, but basically, what they do is they're 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 into agriculture, botany, horticulture, uh, agronomy, you name it. And we found out we had a test plot. Do you know where this test plot was? It was. It wasn't in sand. It wasn't in clay. It wasn't in loam. It was on concrete. And they took bluegrass mixture with the turf type fescue and they threw it down on the concrete and they got grass to grow. And I'm not just saying, Oh, look, there's a little sprig. No, this is a thick turf. What did they do? They compensated. You watered this, you maintained the water on the concrete. You got the germination. You start out with the light nutrients basically and allowing the root base to take hold and continuing to grow. And it was cutting at three inch cutting height. You couldn't tell if that was concrete or dirt that it was growing in.
1: So, clay, getting back Here to. There we go. Yeah. If I need to do something to my clay with uh, either adding the compost and then adding a specific amendment, because I know what I need for my clay, you had mentioned that you just can't throw stuff on top.
0: Well, you can't throw anything and here's what I don't want you to do. First things first, being that you got clay, have you ever had, you know, uh, uh, let's say a grade school art class, fifth grade, you made a clay bowl for mom and she put it in the center, you know, with all sorts of fruit and everything, but you it was for an art class. Yeah. That was your clay. It was it was um it, it it's blue clay. It was stuff that they used for crafts. Um If you were to dig in the yard and you dug and you dropped your plant, you got a perfect little hole, you dropped your plant in there, packed it in, and you put the nutrients on top, you're not doing anything positive to that plant at all. All you're doing is you're creating what they call a dishpan or a pot in the clay. What you're doing is you're preventing the root system from allowing itself to work its way outward into that silty, hard, compacted soil. And it's going to, whenever you water it, it's going to drown the plant because it's just going to fill up.
1: So it's kind of like having an annual, but keeping it in the plastic.
0: Yeah, well, beautiful and, analogy. We're keeping it in a clay pot. Yeah. yeah. It's not going to get any bigger than you wanted it to. It's okay. not going to get to its proper height. I see where you're going. It's with not going to bloom appropriately. And if you put the nutrients on top, chances are that that those nutrients, some are going to percolate down into that pot, but most of them are going to just run right off. So in, the intent on if you're gonna grow anything, whether it's a oh marigold or if it's a um let's say an oak tree, I want you to dig in there, but I want you to dig twice the size diameter of the area that you're going to be putting the plant in
1: so if i'm if I'm planting a garden in my clay four by eight area mm-hmm. I basically need to get a tiller, yeah, till it up and add the Compost and amendments into that till.
0: You can if you want. Now, that's, yeah, let's say it's a four by eight, like you're talking about. Yeah, to till the whole area up, go down about four to six inches. Yeah, that's fine. Generally, you don't have to in clay, though. If you know exactly what you're going to be planting and where you're going to do it, you don't have to till the whole thing at all. All you have to do is dig a hole, make the hole twice the size diameter, chop it up so that you have smaller.
1: Well, if I'm planting a lot, I don't
0: want to. hard enough as it is. Or. Well, yeah, you could do that, but I mean, let's say if you're not. I mean, again, if right, you're, right. If you're, are you if, talking if, a vegetable garden?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, then I uh, can see that. If you're just talking landscape, right? You know, I'm putting in a, a new whatever. Yeah, whatever's the front a lot yard those in front of the, out the out dining of. room window, and right next to it's going to be. Then yes, yeah. I mean, yeah you but you, you go, go twice the size day. diameter of the
0: container that it's in. And why do you do that? Since you're you're bright young man, Scott. Yeah,
1: all I can tell you is I'm guessing that it's to allow the roots to start expanding on their own.
0: You know what? I, I, I Pretty soon he's not going to need me at all on this. Hi, this is Scott, producer of your Midwest Garden podcast, and we don't have Mike anymore because he's not necessary. He's not essential. No, basically, you're learning, and this I'm impressed. How'd you, how'd you know my old boss's speech to me? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> it's deep. Talk about nutrients.
1: God, talking about the manures. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's uh, amendments. So, Anyhow, yeah, go ahead. I, I mean, you, you're absolutely right. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna go a four by uh, what do we call it, eight by vegetable garden, uh, yeah, go four by eight, till it down four to six inches, and it's starting out that way. Clay could go down very very deep. You're never gonna get rid of it. Sand could go very very deep. Let's just say if you were before you were building a house and you're gonna have your backyard you got this backhoe and you're going to dig all this stuff out and you're going to replace it with topsoil within three to five years, all that soil that you brought in and all that digging's gone because the, either the clay or the sand came back and it took it right out. So you're not going to, you're never going to get rid of it. So let's start working with it. You're going to go with twice the size diameter for um, a, a U or a boxwood or anything like that, that the container itself is in and allows the root system to work Work outward. You can put amendments in and uh, mix it in with there if you want. I would prefer compost like your bumper crop that you have over at, you know, the garden center. Uh, but there's different types there, but there's different types for different types of plants. And we can get into that one a little at a later conversation. Well, what
1: other what other composts are out there that um, somebody in Iowa's garden center may not carry bumper crop? So what are some of the other things that people can
0: use? You can, you can build your own if you wanted to. Uh, I just wouldn't recommend. See, compost, a lot of people like take garden, not garden, but kitchen scraps out with the exception of animal byproducts, bones or meat. You don't want to bring the vermin in and they're going to come in. And, right. you know, there's nutrients that are in there and you can get some toxic reaction too from the, 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 the animal byproducts. Stick with something that was at one time a vegetable, whether it's, You know, leftover bread crust, whether it's uh, leftover salads, whether it's coffee, eggshells. I mean, not the eggs. Eh, The eggs aren't anything that's there. It's the the potassium and the calcium that's in the eggs. How
1: long does this process take, though? So if I'm going out to start my garden in in another month or so, I probably don't have time to do this.
0: If you're planning on planting a garden, let's say, uh, this coming March, you should have started your compost— no sooner or no later than mid-September last year. Okay. You want the stuff to break down so that it becomes not a slurry, but you're going to see instead of the individual leaves or the individual twigs or the individual coffee grounds, you're going to see that it mixes in and it looks like dark, rich soil. Okay. So
1: at, at this airing, we've already passed that date. Right. So if I'm going to the garden center and I say I need a compost, it, it, are there just some basic ingredients that yeah. you can tell us that that start with this
0: If you're going to start they're going to th- most of the compost that they sell in bag form or even in bulk depends on what there's no standardization read the label like you were saying you're not disclosing what's in there but a lot of them do have oyster shells they have crab shells they have um then and, and eggshells what do you think those are in there for to compensate for the potassium and calcium that you need for the plants, the micronutrients, when it breaks down. Um, you're going to need also uh, f- fish byproducts. I mean, there's fish guts that you could go ahead and put in there that decompose uh, that works wonderful as far as the nutrient. You can also go with bark finds. Now, what they mean by bark finds is it's, it's kind of like uh, mulch. But it's basically from a tree, whether it's a maple, an oak, or whatever. that has been ground up to the point where it's almost fibrous so that it can break down a little bit faster. If you don't and you get the chunks, it'll take a little bit longer for it to break down. But the bark fines are good. If you can find out on the label, find out if it's oak, maple, or something that's sweet or something that's acidic. Oak fines are acidic. Those are great for acid-loving plants, for instance, tomatoes, uh, for instance, your hydrangeas. It doesn't matter there. But um, when it comes down to sweetness, you can go ahead and, and use it for other plants. I mean, you can compensate. They usually have a mixture of, uh, uh, of the acid-loving, which is going to be oak leaves, and the maples, which is going to be the sweet one. So when you combine the two, it's a balanced compost. Uh, when it comes really right down to it, they can also add some manure to it, like you made mention earlier. Uh, make sure it's cow. They can put horse manure, but if the horse manure wasn't aged properly, you're probably going to get more weeds. Horses only have one tummy; cows have four.
1: Well, so we talked about the chicken manure, right? When do I use that? I mean, do I use that? Why? Why do we offer it?
0: Well, here's the deal: back in the before World War II, Scott, people knew how to do and support themselves. They didn't have the great big, you know, mega, you know, go- grocery stores that sold you. 72 rolls of toilet paper, whether you needed it or not. Right. Um, but wh- what they did have, I mean, it was rugged individualism. Gramps used to do this by adding his own products to it. Uh, the chicken manure. They'd raise chickens, but it was self-sustaining. What do the chickens provide for the human being? The nutrient as far as the egg goes. But the shell was something that was a micronutrient that they reincorporated into the soil. The other one is that you got the bacteria from the chicken poo. They would clean out the chicken's coops, and usually it's the kids that did it, with the straw, with other things in there. It smelled like schmutz, but then they took that and they threw it out into their garden. Why? Because all of the nutrients that they needed from last year were used by last year's plants that they grew for this year. Right. I mean, they do the canning, they do all sorts of preserving, but it's gone. So they would th- reinstitute the chicken manure, the compost, um, the, the horse manure, eh, or the cow manure. Usually, they had a pig too. Pigs, they didn't like to throw that stuff in there.
1: So, but is there? My guess, my question really is: is is do you stay away from chicken manure, or why
0: would you oh, choose chicken oh. over cow? Or now, you know
1: what? Is it one or the other? Is a manure is just both?
0: it's it's basically a bacteria. It's basically it's got mycorrhizae. It's got it's a bacteria thing. Moms after World War II in the 50s and 60s, I mean, you know, you, you you didn't want anybody to touch the ucky stuff. Well, the ucky stuff is active, and it's something that helps to create the, the the food that we need. We're going back to it. We're going back to what happened prior to World War II. We're going back with those nutrients. Chicken schmutz is absolutely great. It goes quick, but it goes directly into the system of the plant without burning it. Um. Now, that was easy. It was something that everybody had a chicken in their own backyard. They would go to, you know, Gretchen. She'd lay the eggs, and she'd have a bunch of, you know, schmutz there, clean it up with a straw, throw it in your veggie garden right away. Sometimes they throw it on top. Or sometimes you find a person that that wants to go back to doing what Gramps did prior to World War II instead of going to the megastore and grow your own. And this is a good thing. You could grow your own and you're, you're smiling right now, but that could be anywhere from growing your own vegetables to make sure that you get the proper nutrients to growing your own uh, to compensate for uh, let's say this CBD oil that you want to have for your joints. Yeah, that's it. It's for the CBD oil. Not that I know anything about that, but still.
1: (laughs) We know that the Lomi is, is the point that we want to reach.
0: Yeah, it would be Nirvana. It's, it's,
1: yeah. So, you, but you don't, know what we've learned so far is that's where we want to go, but we don't have to go, be there to no. grow a successful no. crop no. or a, a happy plant. My next thing is with the heat of the summer and that plant's taken that those nutrients that you added, you need to add it again. Here's what I suspect, because I mean, one batch of, amendments is not going to last a season.
0: If you did it properly, you're giving that plant enough nutrients so that it can process. But you watering is going to ta- is lose some of those
1: nutrients in that soil.
0: Or that plant is going to utilize those or nutrients utilize to the point that they're gone. Yes, I am going to recommend usually two, sometimes three. It depends on what kind of soil you have. Let's say, for instance, you got a clay soil. And you broke down as much as you can the little dirt clods and you got the plants growing in there. If you wanted to, you could take some of that compost, put it into that that, that area, mix it in with the rest of the stuff, you're home free. You're gonna get your root system to start taking real hold real well. And they're gonna take in the nutrients that believe it or not, that silt, that clay has nutrients in it, primarily micronutrients. But toward the middle of the summer, if you did this right, your plants nice and green, nice and healthy, nice and leafy where it can process is photosynthesis, light processing. Uh, when it gets hot, you got enough of a root system established to help to sustain. But if you don't have the nutrients accessible, that plant is just basically going to become anemic, like you would, or I would. Mm-hmm. If we don't have that uh, SPF uh, 19 or whatever it is over our faces, we're going to cook. The leaves on a plant will do the same thing if it doesn't have the proper nutrients to protect it from the sun. It needs that sun to process, but it's also going to need those nutrients to prevent that sun from burning the membrane or the the meat of the leaf. And I'm sure you've seen plenty of diagnosed burned leaves on plants. It's called scorch. Mm -hmm. All right. So, yes, you're going to put a little bit more of that in there, or if it's not, you put a little bit more of the, uh, what do you want to call it, The, the the compost. But it's not going to be that rich. Once you've already started, you might want to go with a general fertilizer. Now, general fertilizer is not feeding the plant. Remember, it makes its own food. All right. But you're giving it what it can have to sustain itself. Now, there's natural nutrients, and then there's synthetic nutrients. Name brand synthetic is miracle Grow. Name brand for when it comes down to natural, there's a 1,000 of them out there. So it could be anywhere from... Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, Bumper crop like you were talking about for your compost. Or it could be, uh, oh, what are some of those liquids you had on the the shelves over there? Or the growing your own. Um, Oh, the uh, Fox Farm? Fox Farm is a beautiful natural. You grow a tomato the same way you would grow something else. But it processes that nutrient, that natural nutrient, far better than it does the, the synthetics. The synthetics are basically like a shot in the arm or putting on steroids. Whereas the plant basically isn't going to be healthy. You're just basically making it produce what you want it to without being a healthy plant.
1: Almost like a five hour energy drink or, Bingo. or a Mountain Dew. Boom. You get a bunch of caffeine. It helps for that moment, but it's not going to help. In it's the not sustainable. Long-
0: yes. Yeah. There you go. So you're going to do the Fox farm thing. The same products that I'm going to basically promote, the same products that you grow marijuana in that people are actually staying with the organic process because they're more interested in what nutrients go in to that plant, come out of that plant and don't, and then, you know, it doesn't harm the person that consumes it. Same. I'm going to recommend holds. I'm going to recommend true. I'm going to recommend for when you grow your tomatoes, when you grow your peppers, when you grow your lettuce, onions, anything that you're going to be consuming I'm going to strongly recommend you stick with organics to do as an amendment for some of these soils. Again, like you said, if you had a synthetic product, that synthetic product goes in the plant and out of the plant just as fast as you put it on the ground or on the plant itself. Right. So the, the organics that you put in makes the plant more sustainable, more resilient to insect activity, fungus activity, as well as the activity that the sun and the heat and the drought. Now, sand is going to be harder to keep nutrients in. Mm -hmm. So I would recommend doing the bumper crop or the the compost at least twice a year and compensate on a regular basis because you can't cook with it, the natural or the organic fertilizers. You can go with your Miracle Grows. You're still going to have the nitrogen from the oil-based product. You're still going to have the phosphorus from that oil-based product. You're still going to have the potassium from that oil-based product plus the micronutrients that they put in. But again, it goes out of that plant as quickly as it went in. Uh, it's not that it's bad for you. It's just that I don't think it's good for the plant. And if it's not good
1: for the plant, your yield is going to be smaller, probably?
0: Usually it is. I mean, have you ever noticed that uh, there's there's some things, too. Now watch out what garden centers that you get your, your, your products to plant in those soils. Because they put growth inhibitors on that. And you can do all the amending to the soil that you want. You can go ahead and dig and Wait, tilt. wait,
1: wait, wait. What who's doing what with growth inhibitors?
0: Growth inhibitors, they put on plants. It depends on if you're going to to a a place that buys their 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 vegetables or flowers from a massive grower that sells down south and all over the country as they do up north. In other words, there are certain garden and no, not garden centers. There's certain um greenhouses mass produce huge greenhouses that they put a growth inhibitor on it so that when they send them down South, that they're not actually going to be too mature for them to sell because if they get too big, they can't sell these products. Okay. Okay. If they, but see if it's,
1: you're, so that, that is more of a logistics distribution it's a logistic, thing. Right. So that your plant is not like, too large and beyond the point of where you just want to put it in the ground.
0: Well, that's part of it. But then you notice, too, though, that it's an amendment that they put in to prevent the plant from taking in certain nutrients and processing them. And if you get them from a big processor or plant grower uh, from, I don't want to name any states because it might, you know, knock some people the wrong way, you'll notice that, let's say you bought a pepper, that had some growth inhibitor on it, no matter what nutrients you put in there, no matter what amending you do to the soil, it ain't going to grow. And then it ain't either going to give you a massive amount of yield either because it's preventing that from growing and producing the nutrients and the process that it needs to create flower, the pollination, to draw the natural bees or whatever pollinators there are Mm -hmm. over to it. So you'd be lucky to maybe get one, maybe two peppers on a plant. We're usually a yield per plant, could give you five to seven on a multiple basis, meaning it'll start in May, and it'll continue to produce for you into September.
1: So how do we circumvent that?
0: Find out where it's coming from.
1: Well, so obviously you're not, so you don't buy from that area. So, no. If if you you cannot find where that is, is there something you can do to protect
0: yourself? uh, or or Grow your own, or make sure that you know the garden center is growing their own, or you can know that, you know, if they're not growing their own, find out where this came from and then contact the garden centers, not the garden centers, but contact the greenhouses. They'll say it's, it's Jane and Joe Blows from uh, Poughkeepsie, New York, and they sell down to Florida too. So they put the growth inhibitor on it to prevent it from growing too big, too soon, too quick for down there. Um, but you can give them a phone call and find out if they put a growth inhibitor on it. And if they say no. Okay. Interesting. Did not know that. It's another, you know, thing that basically a lot of people don't know. It's a business, uh, it's a business thing. It's a business basically. thing.
1: They're not, it, it, they're not trying to make you get less peppers. They're just trying to make sure trying,
0: their plants is like you healthy said, it's logistics. when you get to, yes. you know,
1: 24 hours away.
0: Right. Right. Thing. But sometimes it just does uh, that growth inhibitor does not grow out of it. All right. If you're at the upper Midwest, uh, you got a shorter growing season. I mean, let's say you're in Canada. Uh, you got a shorter growing season. You're in zone four, you're zone five, and so maybe a little bit of six. But your growing season is only going to be a good three and a half months versus, let's say, seven to plus months down south. Um, you want to get the biggest yield that you can out of your own vegetable garden, or you want to get the biggest flower that you can out of your ornamentals uh, that you can. If there was a growth inhibitor there and it hadn't flushed out, it's going to take forever for that to come up. I mean, let's just say you got a petunia that finally decided to go, boom, it's going to blow up and say, beauty, beauty, I'm there, but it's already mid September. You're only going to have that for about another two weeks. Right. Days are getting shorter. Your mass production of uh, photosynthetic processing is going to be gone and it's going to start going dormant. So, I mean, it would help to find out whether there is a growth inhibitor or not.
1: Anything else we need to add about
0: soils? Uh, Let's see, we hit the sand, it flushes through quicker. You got to give it a little bit more of an amendment on a regular basis. You can take whatever nutrients you want and and give it the nutrients at the soil level, not on the plant. uh, If it's a liquid, if it's a granule soil level, wash it in. Sand, you're going to have to do more frequently than what you're going to have to do in clay. clay. Clay holds the nutrients in a lot longer and it has a lot of micronutrients. If you wanted to loosen some of that up a little bit, Get yourself a little bit of gypsum and do that on a regular basis. That's going to help to not only break up the silt or loosen it up to allow the root system to kick in a little bit better, but it also has a lot of micronutrients like manganese, boron, um, uh, potassium, zinc, you name it. And it's stuff that the plant basically needs to help resist itself to damage from outside influences like insects, fungus, and sun. Then you got the nice loamy earth. If you're able to have that, you're home free, but you're still going to have to give it nutrients. And I'm going to leave it at that.
1: So if you are not able to digest all that.
0: Is that a pun? No. This is a vegetable garden. (laughs) No, (laughs) If you weren't able to digest all that, what, what else are you going to recommend?
1: Well, well, I'm going to recommend you talk to our friends at Soil Kit.
0: Absolutely. And get a
1: Soil Kit uh, testing done.
0: When are you going to do that?
1: Uh, you can do it anytime, but preferably uh, right now.
0: Like, yeah,
1: I would. Yes, I would too.
0: Now, how soon does te- the Soil Kit uh, come back with your results?
1: Uh, within 48 hours, if I remember correctly. To the garden center
0: that you got the soil kit from, no, right?
1: No, to your, when you register the kit online, it comes back to you and it goes to them or they have access because you buy the kit, uh, you can buy the kit, I believe directly from them or any, uh, gardens uh, Oh, I'm sure center. you can go
0: online.
1: Um, at soil everybody. Soilkit kit, one word.com. And they, it's one, two, three, easy to do, but, um, I mean, their results are back in no time. So you'll know what you need. I mean, they ask you if this is a garden. They ask you if this is going to be used for a lawn type of deal. And you take four little uh, samples out of the ground and boom. So as soon as you can dig in your ground, I, I would do it for this upcoming season because, uh, you know, they say 48 hours. So they're also well, you're gonna not get, even gonna have to- They're going to get swamped.
0: Yeah, and you're not even going to have to, well, we might want to, hey, let's talk to them and say, hey, you want us to stop? Give us a little jack, Jack, or is that blackmail? (laughs) Well, no, but in essence, you're going to find out well before the season starts to get those nutrients into the soil as soon as you possibly can so that you do have positive returns from your garden, whether it's an ornamental garden or whether it happens to be a vegetable garden where you're going to want to eat and consume and or smoke, all right? Yes. Okay, I'm off my perch.
1: Hey, everybody. I hope that uh, helps you uh, figure out your soil issues. If you have any, if you didn't even know you had some, you better check because you might have some.
0: Well, you can contact us or get a hold of the Soil Kit people. They're going to tell you what you got, what you don't have, what, you, what you're what you lacking. And then get a hold of your garden centers, preferably a ma-pa, preferably a family business, um, because you know what? COVID didn't knock Anybody out that has bundle of bucks, and that ain't my and pa. Let's help to sustain them so that they can sustain us. If you can go ahead to your local garden center, that's run by an independent uh, family business, or whether it's a bunch of people that got together and got their garden centers going, help them help you. Okay. All right, everybody. It's great to be back. Season
1: three has begun. Uh, I hope you guys uh, heard that uh, special edition with. Jen from Beautiful Blooms by Jen. As far as uh, I
0: got, so the much Pasadena cool Rose
1: Bowl that. Parade, decorating her float. It was cool.
0: Yeah, it it was. It, it was, and you know what? I'm, a lot of people did not know. I didn't know half of the stuff that Jen went through, and what, and she got invited again. Yeah, it's cool. Well, all right, guys, gals, thank you. Scott is becoming scary. He's not ignorant. He is basically a sponge. He's absorbing these nutrients. And preventing himself from exputing them from a system. He is a genius. All right, Scott, you can pay me right to check out the Michael Rourke, the garden guy, over at your Midwest Garden podcast. I'm done. I'll just edit that part out. Yeah, you're going to have to. <laughs> that was random. See you guys. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Your Midwest Garden. If you like today's conversation, please share this podcast with friends and family. And don't forget to click on the subscribe button so you won't miss any future episodes. Plus, if you have any show topics you'd like us to discuss, head on over to our sponsor's Facebook page, which is Black Diamond Garden Center, and message them your topic idea. For all of us at Your Midwest Garden Podcast, I'm Michael Rourke, the garden guy. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation.